So tonight we're going to search for chametz. The Torah has a unique um, relationship, if you will, with chametz. Usually the Torah says that when something is non-kosher, if there's 60 times as much kosher as non-kosher, if you have a mixture and a little bit of milk falls into this uh, pot of meat, so if there's a lot more meat than milk, then it's, then it's kosher. But with chametz, the Torah has a zero tolerance policy. You could have a huge factory vat the size of this building, and if a tiny bit of chametz falls into it, the whole thing is, is forbidden. You can't use it on Passover. It's not one, 60 to one, 100 to one, 1,000 to one, there is no number. Chametz is totally um, the public enemy number one. And this, this mitzvah has a lot to tell us about ourselves spiritually, has a lot to give us. There's a profound message in this mitzvah. And the message is as follows. There's a lot, um, a lot of times we try to do something, we try again, we try harder, and uh, we find ourselves failing. We find ourselves making the same mistakes we made before. We find that we're not uh, we're not um, performing in a way that uh, that we that we would um, have liked to, and we see repetition of the same mistakes. How are we supposed to view all of these? Yes. Um... Okay. Amen. 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 So besides the prohibition of, of when chametz gets mixed into something, there's another mitzvah tonight, and that mitzvah is to search for the chametz. To not you you've rid your house house, you've cleaned your house, now the Torah says do something else. I want you to walk around with a candle and search for it. What is this chametz and what are we supposed to learn from it? What's it supposed to mean in our lives? There's a famous story about the first Rebbe of Chabad, the Alt Rebbe, how on the night of the search for Hametz, he had a very, very small apartment, very few feet, and he spent the whole night searching for Hametz. So the midst of searching for Hametz has profound spiritual significance. What is it? What is the meaning of searching for Hametz? Rabbi uh, Jonathan Sachs, al-Bashalom, the former chief rabbi of England, uh, famously once uh, visited the Rebbe in order to interview him as he interviewed many other great Torah luminaries to learn from them and to uh, get some, some perspective. And, and after he interviewed the Rebbe and he asked him all these questions, uh, the Rebbe turned around and started him asking him a question. And he asked him, what are you doing? He was then studying in Cambridge. What are you doing uh, for Jewish students in Cambridge? So Rabbi Sachs didn't really have much to offer, so he started to say an excuse. He started to say, well, in the situation in which I find myself, Rabbi Sachs said the Rebbe, in the many, many conversations he had with the Rebbe, the Rebbe never, ever interrupted him. The Rebbe always spoke to him, b'ni'imot shal Torah, with the pleasantness of Torah, but here the Rebbe stopped and interrupted him and said, a Jew does not find himself in a situation. A Jew puts himself in a situation. And if you put yourself in one situation, you could put yourself 
in a different situation. And that is the mitzvah of searching for chametz. To figure out how, what, in, what is there inside of us that isn't the way it's meant to be. The bits of searching for chametz is to look in the language of the Talmud, in all the corners and crevices, and even in places where you think there is no chametz. Chametz, the Zohar says, is compared to uh, evil, to the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination. Why is chametz like the evil inclination? So the difference between the word chametz and the word matzah uh, matzah is 395, the, the numerical equivalent of the word matzah is 395, while chametz is equal to 398, it's three more. What are the three more that chametz has that matzah doesn't? I mean, it would seem there's not something very, it would seem that chametz is very innocent. There's flour and water, what is it already? But what's unique about chametz is that chametz rises. Chametz re- represents arrogance. Chametz represents a false sense of, of self. In Yiddish, the word for arrogance is summed up in one word. Ich. Ich means the I. person says the guy has too much ich. It means he's too much arrogance. But it also fits it a little bit in English too. It's something, the most ichiest thing, the source of all evil, is our ich, is our focus on self and being too self-absorbed. There are three things that, re- that result from being too self-absorbed. As Mishnah says, there are three things that take a person out of this world. Jealousy, lust, and the search for glory. What causes us to be jealous of others? What causes us to think that we can indulge in things that aren't meant for us? And we lust for things which aren't in our ballpark. What causes us to seek honor? It all comes from the same place. It comes from this, this false sense of, of, of uh, who we are. And it, it, it's, it's this arrogance. So Torah says you should know that arrogance is something that isn't okay. It's not healthy. It's not something that's good for you. And not only is it not good for you, even the tiniest bit of it is lethal. It grows. What is, the, the flower and the water is okay. What's unique about chametz is that it pretends to be something that it's not. It, it picks itself up and says, I am. I am bigger than what you may think I am. This arrogance, although it seems, okay, it's, it's, just, it's just a sense of self, so what? But... I'm just speaking to this uh, gentleman who was having some issues in his marriage, and uh, he's describing to me the conversations he's having with his wife, what he said, what she said, and you know, he has a, a lot to uh, to say to protect himself. You know, I, I said this, and she said that, and it seems like it's all it's all uh, he's doing the right thing. So in a court of law, he he feels like the, the judge would say, "What are you saying? Why are you doing that?" But that's because he is looking at the mirror and looking at himself and he's looking at a yardstick and trying to see does he measure up against this yardstick but he's not actually able to take himself out of the situation and see what actually needs to happen he's not able to uh, to look at the situation honestly and and to see what is needed over here what does his wife need there was a gentleman who had in his lived in, in Yerushalayim and he had in his he had a sign on the wall the sign was Aleph Bet Lamed with, the apostro- with an apostrophe. Aleph Bet Lamed. What's Aval? Aval means but. It's in the words in our prayers, we say, we are not so impudent to say that we have not made mistakes. Rather, we are aware that we need to have a kapar, we need to have, we need to have an atonement. Aval, but we and our forefathers have indeed made mistakes. 
Avol Nachla Vasir Chatam. We're aware. That's what the word Avol indicates. That we're, we're aware that when something's happening in your house, you don't like it. So, you know, there's something you may need. It might, might be for you. Something's happening. Someone's not happy. It may not be so much about them. You should also think about why someone's doing this to you. Maybe it's for you. Okay, but why the, why the apostrophe in the word Aleph Bet Lamed? Ah, Aleph Bet Lamed also stands for Ani Bachaluk Lavan. I must wear the white coat. What's, who wears a white coat? A doctor. Sometimes you will come home and you think that your role is, is just to be yourself. But if someone in your home needs your help and they're not in their best place, you have to put on the white coat. You have to say, I am there for them to help them. Don't, and this little bit of arrogance, this little bit of, oh, well, aren't I doing the best I'm supposed to be doing? Can't I expect a little bit of those, those questions? It sounds like a little bit of arrogance. It's just, what's the big deal? It's innocuous. But the truth is, that, that can be lethal in a relationship. Be lethal also in, in a work ethic. I have to work harder. I have to do more. Doesn't the boss understand it? It's a good question. But are you asking the right question at the right time? Is there something over here that that uh, you may be missing? Is there something else that that um, if you took yourself out of a situation and asked where are you needed, you may have a different answer. So this little bit of 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 being of chametz of arrogance of being of ichiness of being self-absorbed. It, 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 the Torah says you've got to totally get rid of it. And even in the cracks and the crevices, what do the cracks and the crevices represent? Even in our mitzvahs, even in our Torah, even the good things that we're doing, things that are, are places of light, not places of darkness, you think in those places, you don't have to look for chametz in those places. Those places are okay. So the Torah says no. Even even in your mitzvahs, even in your Torah study, even though the good things that you're doing, that also has to, there also could be a lot of ichiness in those things as well. And how do you search for chametz? So Torah, the Gemara says, the Talmud says, don't search for chametz with the light of the moon, with the light of the sun. Search for chametz with the light of a candle. Why with the light of a candle? A candle has two unique characteristics. One thing a candle has is that when you light, when you light another candle from the first candle, the first candle doesn't get diminished. You light a thousand candles, and the, the first candle always has the same amount of light it had before. It's one characteristic of a candle. A candle, has, it, it never loses. It gives and gives and gives and doesn't stop giving. Another characteristic of a candle is that a candle always soars upwards. That is, the candle, the Talmud says, represents the soul. The candle of God is the soul of man. What is the soul also? The soul always is in a state of, good, of going upwards, seeking to be closer to Hashem. It's a, it's a big mistake to identify ourselves based on our failures. It's a big mistake to look at ourselves and, and to say that we are our failures. Our real identity is our soul. When you think of a soul, you know a soul is a being of giving, of love, of faith, of kindness. Imagine if you said about yourself, I am love, I am kindness, I am giving, I am, I am close to God. Imagine if you looked at yourself that way. That, that, that itself would solve so much it's, it's a pro- the problem is that we don't think of ourselves as, as ha- how great we really, really are. That's, that, and that's not arrogance. It's the opposite. There was a great chassid. His name was Rashbatz. He was a mentor in the city of Lubavitch to the, uh, to the yeshiva students. And someone, we were once speaking, and he was speaking so brilliantly. So someone asked him, hey, have you ever made a mistake in your life? He just was so impressed. Have you ever made a mistake in your life? He said, yes. 
I didn't properly estimate, properly evaluate my 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 uh, my character traits, my abilities. My I said, oh, you you overestimated. He says, no, I underestimated. It's a big mistake to underestimate. It's a big under, it's a big mistake. If you underestimate your abilities, what happens is is that you don't feel you can go, you could do more. You you lower the bar. But if you really identify yourself as your soul, as your neshama, as as the candle can keep on giving and giving and never lose, as, as someone who is always trying to get closer to Hashem, then you 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 evaluate your life totally differently. So going back to this gentleman who is having this issue with his spouse and um, evaluating his thoughts and words and actions based on am I doing good enough? He's be, he's evaluating things. Just based on his his sense of I of, am I doing good enough? Imagine if instead of using that, he used a candle. Imagine he used his soul. Are the things you're doing? Are the things you're saying? Are the things you're thinking? Are they in sync with your soul? That's the midst of searching for chametz. Ask yourself: Are the things you're doing and saying and thinking? Are they? Are they? Do they? Do they portray your best self? Are they you? Are they you? You're saying this, you're doing this. Is that, is that in sync with your candle? That's the midst of to search for the chametz with the light of a candle. Search ourselves and ask ourselves are the things we're saying and thinking and doing. Yesterday, I was saying something and, uh, and I caught myself, why am I saying that? That's, that's not nice. That's not. Uh, that, that, that we have need to, is, is, am I a cruel person? Am I. No, I have a neshama, I have a soul. I'm kind, I'm giving. That's who I am. am should I speak like that? That's not the way to speak. That's the mitzvah searching for chametz. The Talmud says, as I mentioned before, even the tiniest bit of chametz is forbidden. The word tiniest bit in Talmud is mashahu. Mashahu means a tiny bit, but mashahu also means mashahu. The fact that you consider yourself as somebody outside of, your, of the divine reality. Mashahu, the fact that you look at yourself on the outside. As we were discussing the other day, the um, meaning of the wicked son, the rebellious son. Why does someone become rebellious? Where does the rebellion come from? The words he uses are, why are you doing all this? Right? That's what the wicked son's words are. Why are you doing all this? So the, Talmud, the Haggadah says, because he excludes himself from the scenario, he denies God. He excludes himself. He says, I'm not part of it. I'm not part of the dream. I'm not part of God's plan. I'm excluded. The very fact you say that you are not part of the plan, that God's plan doesn't include you, that you don't have a role, that, that disassociation with God's plan, that's denying God. Believing in the, if you're believing in a God that does not believe in you, you're believing in a finite God. You're believing in a limited God. If you believe in the real God, then you believe also in you and your role, that you're part of the dream, and, you've, and you can and you will and you should, and you're going to eventually fulfill that role because God's plan is going to happen. So the midst of searching for chametz is, is to ask ourselves, do we look at ourselves as a mashahu, as someone outside of God's plan, or are we part of the dream? Are we someone outside or part of the dream? And when you say you're someone outside, that itself is a denial. That itself is a denial of God. Saying that there's a us and there's a, there's a them, and there's a you guys who do this, but I'm not part of it, that itself is a, that, that's, that's a, 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 that's an, that's, that's speaks the, the chametz. That's a chametz inside of us that's saying this. Okay, so we define what searching for chametz means. That sounds really nice, but on the other hand, we all know that we've done this before. <laughs> we've searched for chametz. We've tried to try to rectify stuff in our lives, and not necessarily have we been so successful. We've tried, 
and uh, sometimes we don't discover it. We think, oh, I, you know, I don't have that problem anymore. I've, I've now aligned myself with, with the big dream, and I know that this is what I'm supposed to be. And then we discover the same exact character flaws resurfacing again and again and again and again. And you wonder, like, like why should I even try? Why should I even do this? There's something amazing also we can learn from mitzvah of searching for chametz. Something amazing. Let's say you search for chametz, and you don't find any chametz. Have you done the mitzvah? That's a big thing to know if you did the mitzvah or not, because you said a blessing before doing this mitzvah. If you didn't finish doing the mitzvah, well, how do you say a blessing? We're so concerned about a blessing that um, there are many discussions in, in Jewish law about the following scenario, let's say. You are, um, you are eating uh, breakfast, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, today's a fast of Esther. Oops, what do I do now? You said a bracha shakol miyabivaro on your coffee, and now, oops, it's a fast day. Do I, can I eat it or not? And there's a big question. Well, you said a blessing already. Some will say, well, have at least a drop of it. You said a blessing. Don't make the blessing in vain. Shabbat is almost over. You didn't hear Abdullah. And you picked up something and you're about to eat. You said a blessing. Should you eat it? So there's a big discussion in Jewish law. Should you or shouldn't you? Why? Because you said a blessing. A blessing is... And here, the midst of searching for chametz. And you may not find any chametz. You don't know if you'll find chametz in your house. You don't know. Putting out the ten pieces of the ten crumbs is a Jewish custom that we do. It's not part of the mitzvah. There's ten crumbs, which correspond to the ten parts of our soul. And we're searching for all parts of the soul. That's a, but let's say you didn't put out the ten crumbs, you could still say the blessing. You put out ten crumbs, yes. That's not why you're saying that. If, if you put out the ten crumbs and pick them right back up, you have the, the mitzvah of searching for chametz. Conversely, if you search for chametz, you don't find any crumbs, you have the mitzvah of searching for chametz. Although you didn't find any. This teaches us an amazing thing. The mitzvah is not to find the chametz. The mitzvah is to search for chametz. What does that tell us on a personal level? There's a great teaching from the Kotzke Rebbe. Unbelievable. He says like this. First, uh, first let's, 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 let's sit in the simple meaning. The simple meaning is, is, is the most important. The simple meaning of the, of, of, the, of the following passage in the Talmud. The Talmud says, if someone said, I tried, and I haven't been successful, don't believe them. Someone says, I haven't tried, and I haven't been successful, don't believe them either. Someone said, I tried and have been successful, then believe them. So this statement tells us that it's all in you. We have the power. We have the shama. We're, we're able to do this. But the Kotzke Rebbe said something else. He says, if someone said, I've tried, I mean, it seemingly doesn't make sense. It's possible you try and you don't see the result. You've tried. You don't see that things don't look, don't look the way that you've, that you've thought they're supposed to look. <clears throat> Someone sent me yesterday a meme, a great, great meme. It has, it has um, two pictures. What people call success. And there's, a, there's an arrow going upwards. Success. What I call success. And there's a line going all different kinds of directions. And it makes this nice little picture. <laughs> That's what success really looks like on a personal level. Yeah, there's people look at success that it has to be like that. That's what success looks like. But is that God's version of success? If that was God's version of success, He wouldn't have made us with our He wouldn't have made us souls and bodies with animal soul with chametz inside us. He wouldn't have done that. He obviously wants a different. His version of success is totally different. If someone said, "I've tried," says a Kotzkarev, and they haven't said, "I haven't been successful." Don't believe them. Why don't believe them? Because the trying itself is a success. The fact that you're trying—that's why you're here in this world. That's your, the effort is what Hashem is asking you to do. It's not. The, the, the journey of ridding yourself of Muhammad, so the journey of trying to rid of the Muhammad, that's the mitzvah. 
If you haven't gotten rid of the chametz, you've searched for the chametz, you've searched, you've searched for the chametz, after mitzvah, you're supposed to get it back on the horse, after all the time you've fallen off the horse, and get back on the horse. That's the mitzvah. On the other hand, someone says, says I haven't tried them, and I have been successful, don't believe them either. They haven't tried. They haven't tried. So then they still have done, they still have the arrow. Okay, you're, that's nice to hear the arrow. But that's not, you're, you're, not, you're not fulfilling the purpose of why Hashem made you. Hashem made you different than everybody else. Everybody has unique kachas Everyone has unique inner power. The inner power that we have is given to us as a gift from Hashem to fulfill our unique role in the world. You have your role, I have my role. Everyone has a different role. If I show up in the world and I don't try, I haven't been successful. I haven't fulfilled the purpose of why my soul is in this world. I have, if I have a talent, if I have a strength, if I have a resolve, and I'm not accessing it, I'm not trying, that's not success. So the Kotzka Rebbe says, if you see someone trying, you know that's success. If someone not trying, that's not success. The, mitz, the, the reason I can put us in this world is, right, there's a Yiddish expression, Unzer Tafkid is to ton. Our job is to do. The Ebeshevetzach Abtan, the God will help us be, to achieve, to accomplish. But that's not our role. Our, our role is to, is, is, is to make the effort, and Hashem is the one who makes it happen. It's a great chassid. His name was Yitzchak Nemes, all of Hashem. Yitzchak Nemes, his profession was stamp collecting. He collected stamps, he bought and sold stamps. And he um, used to travel to, um, I think it was, he traveled to all kinds of countries to buy stamps. And he had a acquaintance named Mr. Schenker. And Mr. Schenker and he, what was Jewish, but he wasn't religious at all. And as Rabbi Nemes, as a devoted Chabad Chassid, he felt like it's his role to, uh, to try to inspire this Mr. Schenker. And uh, Mr. Schenker valued the friendship, but he didn't value the advice and as much as he should have. And he didn't really listen to him. We told him, you should keep kosher, you, keep, you should keep Shabbos. Anyways, Mr. Schenker went to a stamp show or something. I think it was in Belgium. And unfortunately, there was a car accident and his wife died. So Rabbi Nemes said to him, you know, now is a time that you should do something in the honor of your wife's soul. And you should, it's actually, um, his wife wasn't really interested in, in, in all the things that Rabbi Nemes was saying to do, but in honor of your wife's soul, do something special for her. And now, now to try to keep kosher. He said, listen, I can't, now I have to make food for myself. Before, she was making the food. But now to cook all the food myself, you want me to keep kosher too? It's impossible. So Rabbi Nemes uh, said, well, what if I brought you the food? brought me food every night for dinner what are you talking about at that time they came out with the kosher TV dinners so Rabbi, Rabbi Nemes said I'll bring the food he went to this place in uh, I don't know where it was I had to take I know he had to take a bus and a subway in order to get there an hour and a half and he took he bought every week uh, seven TV dinners and it took him an hour an hour and a half to go and to bring this guy TV dinners and, just, and he felt so good about it. He went, he brought him TV dinners. Now the Mr. Schenker is eating kosher. One day, after about a year and a half of this, it's very expensive. I think it cost him, in those days, remember correctly, it cost him $45 a month. Well, a teacher was paid at the time uh, $60 a month. No, $200 a month. $200 a month. So he got paid, 40, he paid $45 for these TV dinners. A lot, it was very expensive. And, but he did it, he did it, and he gave, and he felt good about it. And one day, Mr. Schenker says, you don't have to bring this anymore. It's 
why not? It's good. You keep in kosher. It's, it's, it, I can't. It's it's too salty, too salty. Well, I, I could tell them. I could tell them that it's too salty. No, no, I, I, hey, um, what are you doing with it if you're not eating it? And the guy didn't really want to say, but he pushed them impression. Like, what? What are you doing with it? He's like, give it to my dog. Yeah, my dog eats it. It's good. I mean, the dog eats it. It's not that I'm not wasting it. Rabbi Nemes, who came home that night, and he went to bed, and he didn't get out of bed for a week. <laughs> he was so sick for a whole week with all this effort and all this heart and soul and all this money and blood and sweat and the subway and the bus and the, and, 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 and this. He felt terrible. Years pass. There's this thing called Encounter with Chabad. They have several times a year in Crown Heights. And Rabbi... Um, what's his name? Rabbi runs it, calls up Mrs. Nemes. Hey, can you host this boy? He's coming for the Encounter with Chabad. His host canceled. Sure, I can host him. He stays at the home. And uh, usually the people who come to these kind of events are people who are a little more spontaneous, a little more dreamy, a little more excited about... Make, finding, discovering a new way of life and they, they want to hear about different traditions and stuff and this guy wasn't so, so he wasn't, didn't fit the regular bill so she was wondering about why he, what inspired him to come to Karnayitz to spend the Shabbos he says well my grandfather <coughs> he always was very interested in, in um, the people from Karnayitz he always spoke about them he said these people in Karnayitz they're very giving they're very magnanimous they're very, they're special and he said this guy was to travel every single week to bring me TV dinners just so that I should eat, keep kosher. I didn't even eat them, but I want you to know this, this, the different kind of people. You, you mean someone, people from a different planet and they live in a different kind of ideal. So Mrs. Nemes said, um, was a person um, that your father, grandfather, uh, is, is your grandfather's last name any chance? Schenker. How'd you know? Because my husband brought the TV dinners every week. This boy spent that Shabbos there. And he didn't spend that Shabbos there. He stayed there after Shabbos. He went to Yeshiva. And that the, the TV dinners didn't have the immediate effect, but they, 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 they did have an effect. did have an effect. Our job is to do. It's true, as, as the Torah says, you have to speak from the heart. And words that come from the heart enter the heart. And if we're not reaching someone's heart, it means that we could do better. We could dive into Hashem and ask Hashem to speak better, more from the heart. We could to search for the comments inside us and make sure that, that, that uh, we're speaking from the soul and not just like... Oh, I just want to get my... This, we don't want to make someone else to be your mitzvah. Oh, I need you to be my mitzvah. You need to put on film because I need a mitzvah today. You need to keep Shabbos. You need to come to my Shabbos. That was I need. We can't do that. We have to search for chametz and, and, and ask ourselves where it's coming from. We have to know, though, that Hashem gives us the ability in the holiday of Passover to be freed from all chametz, be freed from all limitations, and we can't look at our past mistakes and define ourselves by our past mistakes. If the tonight the search for chametz, physical chametz, we also have to search for the spiritual chametz. You know, we, we, that Hashem will help us, and we'll be able to be free from all limitations and boundaries that prevent us from being who we're meant to, meant to be in the service of Hashem. And Hashem help us all, each of us, all of us, all on Yisrael. We should be freed from the present Egypt, and we should celebrate Yisraelim and Achidish, Mashiach Tzidkenu, Korban Pesach, and the real chayrus, the real freedom. The true pigula. Any questions, comments? All right.